Lauren, I'm really excited today. We've got an amazing guest coming in. In fact, oh, he's, he's just walked in. We're in the lobby of the station, and it is the Honorable. Do I still call you that? The Honorable? May I? You may, but it, I prefer Ray off the bench. Okay, Ray. It's Ray Guadani. He is an author. Uh, we're going to talk about his book, about his memoirs of growing up in Napa, and his life in the world of the law. All kinds of great stories. I, I can tell we're going to need to have you back. We haven't even started. We need to have you back. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. Okay, that's great. Lauren, what do you think? We invite you to join Judd and his family's winery on the south end of Silverado Trail. Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Thanks, Lauren. You know, we love to show our neighbors a great time. Visiting information is at the website, judshill.com. And while you're there, you can, uh, well, look around, see some photos. We've always got fun events going on. You could put some wine in your shopping cart, and uh, we should give them a deal for listening. Just for being an avid listener, type in coupon code JNVS, all in lowercase letters, please, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. You know, that's a great deal, Lauren. Should we should we do something even better? Uh, sure. How? What should they do? You can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night, whether it be 2 o'clock in the afternoon or, heck, even at 4 o'clock in the morning. That's true. All the information is online at Judd'sHill.com. It's free to join the wine club. You get a nice deal on the wine. You get invitations to all sorts of fun events. And we just, uh, it, we guarantee you a good time. Come see us. Have some fine wine amongst the vines in Napa Valley. But in the meantime, Lauren, let's lay down the law. Everyone's a finkle friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heapful of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now... Live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Fingelstein. Good morning, Mr. Lauren Mole. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine, Judd. How about you? I'm wonderful. I'm excited to be here. It's a beautiful day in Napa Valley, and the sun is shining. Autumn is here. Oh, I'm, just, I'm just happy. Things are good. Me too. What are you doing? Well, I went to see Shrek the Musical at Napa Valley College uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, and how did you enjoy that? It was a wonderful performance. I would say so. I think that I and our guest who has yet to be introduced here today would probably agree with you because uh, we have both seen that as well and are, I think, big fans too. I, I would recommend it to anybody. In fact, it's playing another um, weekend, this, this coming weekend. Uh, let's see, Thursday is going to be a benefit show uh, to benefit the, uh, the, the the fire victims. And let's see, that's Thursday night. And then they're not doing Friday because of the Veterans Day, but Saturday and I believe a Sunday matinee as well. And tickets are available. I wish I had that in front of me right now, but if you look up Lucky Penny 
excuse me. Well, well, Lucky Penny Annie's coming up. Get your tickets for Annie for Lucky Penny. I'm so used to plugging Lucky Penny's uh, production, and Barry was just here. So, Barry, that one was for you, a freebie. Annie's coming up in December. But for Shrek, this coming weekend, you look up Cafeteria Kids Theater. Or uh, the Napa College Performing Arts Center is where the production is being held. And it's pro, wouldn't you agree? It's, it's great. I was absolutely stunned by the production quality, and the costumes, the acting, the music, some of those props. It's great. It is. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming out. You're welcome. Cast was wonderful. Yeah, and it's, it's certainly suitable for kids, and there's a lot of humor in there for adults as well to uh, key in on. So fun for the whole family. Go see Shrek this coming weekend. Yeah, that's great. So uh, so what's been going on with you, Judd? Uh, what's going on with me? Well, you know, just got through harvest here, and um, we the winery is open again after the fires. has been actually for quite a few weeks. The trick is now to get folks to come in the door. You know, I think a lot of folks, when they saw the fire, if they were coming from Elsewhere, flying in from the rest of the United States of the world, canceled trips. So while still being mindful that many of our neighbors still need our assistance, and that's why I'm very happy that this Thursday evening is a benefit concert for Shrek. You know, we, we want to keep helping our neighbors out, but we also want to let folks know it's, it's okay to come back. And restaurants are open, wineries are open, businesses are open. As a owner of a small business, you know, I was looking around yesterday and at the very few people who were coming in, <laughs> like, this has got to change. The fact that I was able to get up to uh, St. Helena from Napa, attend an event, and be back in Napa to catch the second act of Shrek uh, on Sunday uh, within two hours was amazing. There was no traffic. It says folks folks just aren't, aren't here. So come on back. We'll be happy to see you. You're going to get lots of personal attention. Some things that are coming up, the annual Judd's Hill Hanukkah Hootenanny which is our big benefit for Napa CHI, the Community Health Initiative, which ensures that, well, all of our residents of Napa County have access to health insurance. It's a great organization, and you can find out more about them at napachi.org. But we're having our Hanukkah Hootenanny at Judd's Hill Winery Sunday, December 10th from noon to 2.30 p.m., it's absolutely complimentary. That means free for our wine club members, $55 for others. And the, the well, the scene is something else. There's a reason it's our most popular party of the year. And if you'd like details, you can look at judshill.com and uh, check out the events tab. And also, we were talking last month about, well, it was the Vineyard Home Companion Show at the Opera House that was originally scheduled for the 13th of October. Well, that had to be postponed because of the fires. Uh, it has been rescheduled, so come on out. This is going to be a wonderful evening of Americana, roots music, rock and roll, folk, uh, storytelling, comedy, and it's in the style of maybe Prairie Home Companion, but with a very Napa local twist. I'm honored to be the co-host of the show, along with Beverly Shotwell, who is here with her husband, Joe, who is a musician playing in the bands. So that is going to be December the 7th. It's a Thursday night, and the start time is a little bit earlier. It's at 7.30 p.m., so that should make it a little bit er uh, easier for folks, uh, it being a school night. You know, they won't get home too late, um, get some child care, make a date night out of it. So come on out. That is at Napa Valley Opera House, December 7th, Vineyard Home Companion, and that is nvoh.org for tickets. That's what I've got going on, but enough about all of this. There is so much I want to get to with our guest. Would you please, Lauren Mole, do the honors? Sure, Jack.
a retired judge who exercised the law, quite brawny, with a book of great Napa stories, not a yawn, see? A master on the squeeze box, so grab a bagel and cream cheese locks and listen to our guest, Ray Guadani. Aha! Ray Guadani. All rise! Yes, that's right. And what else do you have to say after that? You may not be seated. Okay. And come to order. Thank you, bailiff. That, that I guess, is an honor of your your... Your your judgeship is that I don't even know what to call you right now. You you I I've met you as Ray. You're also Raymond. You're also your honor, the honorable Raymond Guadani, your superior court judge here in Napa County. How should we refer to you today? I think Ray is uh, the proper way to refer to me off the bench. <laughs> okay, Ray. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Ray. Thank you. We are absolutely excited. I'm speaking for Lauren. I'm pretty sure he's excited too to have you here today. There's so much. To talk about being a Napa native yourself, having grown up here, your your life in law, your musicianship, and uh, your book, which you've written called The Adventures of the Squeezebox Kid, which are your memoirs of growing up here in Napa. So maybe let's just go all the way to the beginning and start working our way forward. Maybe there'll be a little bit of jumping around, but let, let's talk. Your background is right here in this community, is it not? Um, entirely. Yes. Let's 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 hear a little bit about that. You, you. Well, you said you were born. I I believe it or not, have actually read the book, and you were born in San Francisco. But that was you weren't living in San. The family wasn't living in San Francisco. That was just more of a medical medical reasons. You wanted a good doctor. Your mom wanted to. She had her pediatrician there. Right. She wanted the same baby doctor as uh, she had for my older brother. Gotcha. Yeah. And then right back to Napa, and you like, came. We were living in Napa at the time. She. Uh-huh. Drove to San Francisco to have me born. <laughs> it's a nice place to be born. Sure, yeah. why not? Yeah. Okay, so so really, I mean, from almost day one, you've been a napping. Correct. And wh- wh- where where do you want to start? I mean, you've written a whole book about it, and I could go through some of the stories, but I'd kind of like you to drive this uh, train, if you will. Uh, talk about a little bit about your experiences. You grew up in a neighborhood that doesn't really exist as a cultural neighborhood anymore, which was Little Italy, which... I don't think I even knew about it until I really heard from you and reading your book that that was that was really a well-defined area where the Italian population lived in Napa here in East 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 Napa. Correct. It was it was East Napa, east of Soskal. Um, it 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 encompassed First uh, Street and all the way to Fourth Street where I was uh, living, and it went east uh, up into Lower Alta Heights. Okay, so that is uh, kind of now we would say sort of Oxbow Fairgrounds, and then up the hill a little bit. Uh, for sure, yeah. Oxbow, uh, the Valerga family had a ranch there and um, had fruit stands. Actually, the wow. the first Valerga market was not a market; it was a fruit stand. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And so what? How did how, how does that happen? How, how does I don't know Napa of that time. You know, I've only been here 40-something years, yes. and I believe most of the little Italy, as you knew it growing up, wasn't intact anymore by that point. So I really am quite ignorant of that era of Napa history. How did that become little Italy? Where did these people come from? Where did your family come from? Why did they come to Napa? Uh, uh, I think there were a, a couple of big segments of uh, migration to Napa. One was uh, around the turn of the century, but another uh, big influx was um, 
uh, in in after the earthquake in 1906, uh, a lot of people, a lot of Italians from San Francisco and that that area would mm. come up to Napa, and they all kind of settled in this East Napa where they sort of stuck together because they could speak the the language. Okay, and, yeah. It, it was um, – they were very self-sufficient. They all – even if they didn't have the big plots of land, they would still have their Italian gardens and then they would right. trade and barter. And even the grocery stores, um, there was a uh, – on Silverado Trail, there was a, an old store called Alta Heights Market. But previous to Alta Heights Market, it was called Trabuki's. And Trabuki was a man that if he knew you when you went in there mm-hmm. or knew your parents, yeah. he, would, he would let you have candy and put it on the ledger and just bill your parents. It was <laughs> a sort of raised – I love that. It, it, yeah, it was, it was nice. That's really a neighborhood right there. Yes. The fact that you know candy on credit, yeah. bartering <laughs> items. So when you say bartering stuff, these are maybe like vegetables maybe you grew in your garden. You could bring it in and trade for other goods at the yes, market. Yes, or- And fish. You could fish oh. in the river then and <laughs> – um, you know, you, you, yes, you could trade things like that. And if you had uh, farming or something, you'd have cows and uh, there was always something to barter with. Amazing. That, I, that is really sweet. I mean, that, to me, that's what neighborhood, neighborhood is all about. Were there other segmented populations within Napa? You know, not, not that I was aware of. Mm. Um, there may have been. Um, I, I, I go. I have to go back to what I know. But uh, in a, in my accordion lessons, they were Italian accordion teachers and one German accordion teacher. Okay. So there may have been some segments, uh, but I was unaware of it. And you started this accordion playing very young. In your book, you say like most of all the other young Italian kids, you were given accordion lessons. Except you started earlier than many. I was only five. Five yeah. years old. Yeah. I'm trying to picture a five year old wielding. Well, there, there actually, there is a photo. Actually, the cover. Now that I'm looking at it, I don't have to picture it. That, that, that's something. That's yeah, that, a big instrument for a little kid. It is. Although that one, as you can see, at five uh, was what they called a twelve bass accordion instead of the hundred and twenty bass oh, accordion. I see. It still looks pretty big. So, so it was. It was small. Okay. And then I graduated into the full size. And this accordion playing has served you well for a long time. You, you got some renown. You. You um, you used it – actually, you're very savvy. I mean, you used it early on as a marketing tool in your lemonade stand. Yes. Yeah. I had live music at my lemonade stand. <laughs> I was very proud of that. Well, let's hear about that. Where did you set up this stand? Was it over in your neighborhood? Or? It was. It was on Burnell Street between 3rd and 4th, which was um, a bad location. Oh. We didn't get much traffic. Um, my partner, Mark Johnson, uh, who ran the uh, lemonade stand with me uh, – his father, uh, Bill Johnson, was a policeman, and across mm-hmm. the street was another policeman, uh, Jack Crawley, and Bill Johnson's brother, Jack Johnson, was another policeman. So we had the pol- we had a corner on the police market. Oh, oh but, I see. Um, someone told us to move to Third Street, where there was lots of traffic, and that's where we really blossomed. Now, when you so you had better traffic, you had the accordion. Was the accordion successful in drawing in? Uh, customers, you know, did it make people thirsty. I I, I uh, like to believe it did, and I think I believed it then. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it had nothing to do with it. How old were you at this point? So, f- f- five to seven to eight. Okay, yeah, so this is early on in your yeah. accordion career. Yeah. And at what point did you make the jump to um, gigging? Like actually gigging, because I know you've done 
in your story, you talk about all kinds of uh, events. There's a beauty pageant, perhaps you played for television appearance. King, the King Norman show from San Francisco. Yes, was that in the city or was that out of Oakland? San Francisco. It was in San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. Well, can we hear about that experience? The King Norman show. Sure. Yeah, I was at Alta Heights. That's how I remember that. And I was a little old of to go on the show. I mean, in my mind, I was kind of embarrassed. I remember that. And I was scared to death, too. So I went on the show and didn't tell anyone about it, but the word had gotten <laughs> out. And um, I, I remember my friends at Altaites said it looked like I was either about to cry or had tears oh, in my no. eyes. Yeah. And I, I, the lights were so bright in that studio, you couldn't see anybody, uh, but I was still very nervous. And it was a postcard of vote. And um, my mom, um, who was an honest person, nevertheless had a stack of postcards. Yeah, she's on. a mama bear. She's yeah. going to send in some postcards. Yeah, and she somehow rationalized that uh, it was okay because she was just doing it for her friends who would allow that. Yeah, she was like yeah. a surrogate for the folks who right. wanted to right. send in postcards. Right. What was your act? I just played the accordion. Do you, like one one song and done on the show, or was I really, there I, shtick involved? I or? don't remember. No recordings were made of it, oh. and nothing was released. No. Uh, so I don't know if it was a medley of songs or not. Um, it was. It seemed like I played for an hour, but it was probably only a few minutes. <laughs> a long few minutes. Like I know what it's like to be in that spotlight and just. Oh, when does this? When does this end? But it sounds like. I mean, it sounds like you've had fun with this and. As you as you grew, you played for all kinds of groups and veterans. The the king or the president of Madagascar at one point. You know, there's a, all these stories are in the book, and you know, I'd love for you to just read the book on the air because it's so interesting. So, I mean, we'll touch on some of these, but you know, if we can just talk about some of your perceptions, and I would encourage anyone to go pick up the book, which I'll repeat the title of right now: "The Adventures of the Squeezebox Kid." You can go down to Bookmine in Napa. Correct. Um, Amazon, you've got a page on and, there. And, and Copperfield. Copperfield's, of course, right here in Napa. But the king, was it the king, the president? We're not sure. The leader of Madagascar? Yeah, it, it was the king, and Madagascar was changed to Malagasy for a while, and uh, that's what it was. And he he was at uh, Beringer's or Christian Brothers Winery. Mm. Um, and uh, it was a. Uh, and this is when? I'm sorry. This is uh, early was, 60s? Yeah, very early 60s, because it, it was under Kennedy's administration. Oh, okay. And somehow I was asked to go play. So I did. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you interact with it? And we don't know if he was the king or the president. I I should have got my research team on that to find out. <laughs> Did he acknowledge I, you in any way? I guess is what I'm. <laughs> I I have no recollection of ever seeing him. Oh, okay. I'm sure he was in the audience. That's some gig. Okay. You know what I really loved reading about uh, among many of your stories was some of the places that you would hang out as a kid or a teenager uh, in Napa that just aren't here anymore. There's uh, places I had heard of, um, you know, so Chick's Burger. Yes. You know, the, the right. Um, the right spot. The right spot. Yeah. What are some of your recollections, uh, you know, without reading right out of the book, but uh, what were some of the cool places to hang as a teenager? You know, people always ask me, you grew up in Napa Valley? Like, what is there to do? And I grew up in St. Helena, so even less to do up there. In fact, I even made a short film in high school called Saturday Night in St. Helena, which just showed <laughs> the absurd things you'd have to invent to entertain yourself on yes. a weekend. Yeah. But Napa actually had some places you could hang. So what, what are some recollections of just having a good time as a kid or as a youth? 
Yeah, most of mine were food centered. Okay, as uh, mine would have been too. Yeah. We, yeah, we did uh, go to the right spot. Um, uh, and where was that? That was on Soskal, um near Rough Riders, which was a, <laughs> yeah. a Pendleton leather factory okay. uh, that made wool shirts. Um, and next to a trailer park, it was an old old diner. Um, and uh, we also uh, went to uh, Foster Freeze, which was oh, at yeah. that time um, on Lincoln by Jefferson by the Napa High School. And then oh. Chicks Burgers were nineteen cent burgers, so you know you could get five for a dollar and still get a nickel back. <laughs> Money left over. Yeah, it was it was really great. I, that was one of my all time favorites. And uh, the, the burgers were kind of like a McDonald's plain burger. Mm-hmm. And then the, – And where uh, was Chicks? Chicks was um, right across from the Napa High School, which is now the uh, the auditorium, the theater, and the administration uh, office. Oh, I see. Okay. And it's um, – I think it's Hub hub now. Uh, oh, the bicycle, bicycle shop. shop. I think that's Chicks. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, as we, we got older and we're riding our bikes around – uh, we all would <clears throat> write all you know. We write a memorial statement, play a game, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me, or yeah. we would, uh, uh, but we would in, invariably end up at um, the coffee cup, which was a little rest restaurant diner on Main Street, and we'd all get um, a coke and fries. <laughs> that sounds, That's all we could afford. That sounds great, though. I mean, it sounds like a good time. Yeah. Uh, one of the places you talk about is. Uh, I mean, certainly still here and as popular probably as ever, uh, Buttercream Bakery. Oh, yeah. I love Buttercream Bakery. That's probably been in Napa yeah. about as long as you've been in Napa. As long as I can remember, yeah. It pro- pro- probably was. I re- and a couple things stand out. When I was a paper inserter for the um, examiner, and that would have been the eighth and ninth grade, uh, That <laughs> it was a job. It was, a, it was more – Paper inserter. Yeah. It, okay. it was a higher level job than a – Paperboy, okay. because you didn't have to work every day. Uh, oh. You just worked on one one day a week, although it was awful hours. Inserting the guts of the paper into the funnies, and oh, okay. you had to go to an, uh, a, a warehouse, which was by Buttercream, by you know where Napa Electric is. It was yeah. there. There was a warehouse here, and so after that, it would be, and you had to go like at four in the morning. Oh, so my. at six in the morning. Uh, we would walk over to Buttercream, and they were just the donuts were just coming out of the oh. oven. Oh my God! I, even today, <laughs> I feel like screaming out in ecstasy. They were so good. And then the other thing about Buttercream was when I was in law school at, at Hastings in San Francisco, I'd come home uh, for the weekends plenty of times, and my roommates would uh, ask me to bring them back the ham salad sandwiches at Buttercream, which of course they're not they're known for donuts, but yeah, uh, yeah. the ham salad at least at that time was good, and and the waitresses <laughs> were so. Because it was so small town, if I'd order a bunch, she would say, oh, you know, listen, Ray, that's – the ham salad's not too good today. It's yesterday's ham salad. <laughs> so I, I, would, I would get the latest on that and that's bring good. only they, fresh – They treated you well. They treated me well. No, that's a great spot. In fact, a couple of years ago, right about this time, we had uh, Jerry uh, yeah. Kloss, yes. uh, the owner of Buttercream, yes. here to nice talk man. about the history of the, the place. Yeah. Nice man. And uh, I very nice, yeah. Really interesting history that he has as well. And and uh, I tasted my first mincemeat pie. I'd, I'd never had one before. We were talking about it, and then uh, the next day I got a call. Uh, since we were talking about mincemeat, very popular now that the holidays are coming. Sure. And uh, I, I mentioned I never had one. Then there was a message for me saying, 
come on in. Jerry's left a pie for you, and we had it at Thanksgiving. It was so nice of him to, to do that. Anyway, great spot. We love that. You mentioned your law career. I know we're we're kind of glossing over things, but we sure. only got a certain amount of time. Um, so I'll say it again, and I'll say it again later. You know, these stories are great, and they're in your book, The Adventures of the Squeezebox Kid. You know what? Before we get into the law your life in the world of lawyering, we do need to take a break. I get so carried away with interesting guests. I've, I forget to look at the time, but it is that time, Lauren. So if you would do the honors. This courtroom is now in recess. We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after this. Everyone's a Fingal friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Remain seated and come to order. Judd's Napa Valley Show is back in session with guest Ray Guadani. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. Your, your honor, yes. the honorable Ray Guadani, Napa Superior Court judge, retired at this point, and author of The Adventures of the Squeeze Box Kid. And um, look for it. There's so many great stories. We're touching on some of them. If you want to look it up, uh, well, The Adventures of the Squeeze Box Kid, and the spelling of your name, it reminds me of, did you know Bill Juni up in St. Helena? I didn't. Of Juni's uh, <laughs> Yes, you know um, the name, but I What didn't. a character. And it had what, you know, to us, uh, you know, I guess uh, a lot of folks who aren't familiar with Italian spelling, it had this kind of confusing spelling and say, Juni, how do you spell that? You say, you know... Just look like it looks. G-I-U-G-N-I-I, just like it looks, Juni. So uh, your last name, Guadani, is G-U-A-D-A-G-N-I. So if you're searching Amazon or you go to Bookmine or Copperfields, that's how you find it. Or just ask for the adventures of the Squeezebox Kid. It's a great book. I really enjoyed reading it. Just stories of Napa and growing up here in the, the 50s and 60s. Oh, I see you've got something here. But before I even ask you about that, we were talking about your old hangouts. And one of them I, I wanted to ask you about was very close to where we are sitting right now at this radio station, the KVON Drive-In, oh, which yes. I've only ever heard stories about because that was gone before I ever got to town. Yes. And uh, that, that was right here, right? Right it next to the station? Right there. Yeah. Right here. And what what would they do there? I mean, show movies. Was there a certain type? Was there a or no, all sorts of movies? All sorts of movies. Uh, it seemed, what would you like to go to? Uh, uh, well, it, it depended. It depended on uh, who I was with. If if it was um, my guys, uh, my my peeps, yeah, uh, you know, we would just uh, go to something that either was really scary or uh, a western or something. Sure. Um, and and we did try. You know, I I remember. Uh, they would have dollar night, and it would just be dollar per car, and you'd stuff wow. as many people in as you could. Sure, fill and, the trunk yeah, with your friends. Yeah, and if it was regular night where you paid per person, uh, there were times when some people, I am told, would stuff people into the trunk. Yeah, I'm uh, sure you never yeah. were up to those types of shenanigans. No, that would have been wrong. So yes. I wouldn't have done that. And we already introduced you as the honorable, the honorable right, Ray Guadagni. Right. <laughs> Though I saw it happen, sure. so, yeah, and but but yeah, and and as a youngster, there would be times when my parents would take us uh, because you could go in your pajamas, and I, they, oh, the rec the recollection I have is that I had those pajama bottoms where it had built in 
boots, you know, built-in shoe, uh, built-in. Yeah, in, sure, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, how footy pajamas. Footy, yeah, yeah. So that's how young I would have been, uh-huh. and I remember loving the hot chocolate at the concession. Uh, oh, there was a nice. little concession stand there. Um, yeah, so it was really, really big, and I s- still remember the newsreels and watching Rocky Marciano knock someone out, and uh, yeah, I loved the drive-in. And then as you got older, you would uh, maybe take a date there, and um, I, you really didn't care what was on except if your date wanted to see it. So. Yeah, maybe a scary movie's good then too, right? Sure, maybe they would hold, cuddle you. Yeah. Hold a little yeah. closer. You could yeah. hope. <laughs> That's great. What good, what good memories that would have. So you you did bring something. I I, I have oh, yeah. no idea. It's in a lovely little yellow bag wrapped in purple tissue paper. You look like you're ready for Mardi Gras, perhaps, or, yes. or a Lakers yes. game. Yes. What what do we have? Well, I I think this is a little treasure that someone in the legal community would be very interested in. Oh, okay. Um, would it be uh, permissible for me to take it out and show you? Yes. You have my permission. Right. I was trying to think of some legal term, so I'm just oh, going to say oh, yes. Right. Motion I, granted. Motion. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. All right. This uh, – one of my closest and dearest friends in the legal community and and, and outside of the legal community is uh, <laughs> the Honorable Richard A. Bennett. Oh, I just actually ran into him the other day yeah. at a memorial. He still has his ponytail, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a, a, a brilliant man and a funny and humorous – well, he ran uh, – the first time he ran for municipal court um, uh, judge and that is – there are no more municipal courts anymore. But they were a, uh, um, an, an inferior jurisdiction compared to superior court. OK. Uh, that's – they just had criminal preliminary hearings and small claims and traffic and uh, things of that nature. Uh, Can I interrupt you just for yeah, a moment? Yeah, Could you explain yeah. to me because I'm so ignorant I couldn't even come up with motion granted. But I – Honestly, I don't. I don't know the difference between what what makes a court superior. It's better than all the other courts. No, no, <laughs> no I know that. Yeah. But what yeah. what is the definition of that? Uh, the superior court is is probably easier to think of it as the the, the trial courts. Okay, trials in 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 courts are in superior court in Thank California. You. They're called you know something else in other states. Maybe. I see. But it's a superior court. It's a trial court. And then if you uh, lose your case and appeal, uh, you would go to the appellate courts up you. to the Supreme Court. Thank you. And municipal courts were even a lower jurisdiction at one time, but they finally got consolidated with the superior court. Well, I think that just dispelled the rumor that I have any law background. <laughs> <laughs> so you presided in a superior court. Yes. yes okay. Yes. So Richard Bennett. But Richard Bennett, yes. uh, after his uh, – after he was a lawyer for some years, decided to become a judge or try to become a judge, and he ran for the municipal court, which still existed at that time, which I believe would have been in the uh, 80s when he ran. And I have here, in an in incredibly good shape, a T-shirt oh. uh, that says, Elect Judge uh, Elect Richard Bennett, Municipal Court Judge. So I'll show it to look you. And, at it, this. and it's, it's pristine. Oh, yeah. Look at him. Wow. Wow. I don't see a ponytail on that, but there's certainly a he, lot more Yeah, hair. He had a lot more hair yeah, uh, up, up front. <clears throat> and the ponytail had to uh, – this is Richard Bennett cleaned up. Uh, <laughs> no earring, no motorcycle, and no, no ponytail. And the beard trimmed. And yeah. The beard trimmed. And it looks very, very official. Yeah. This this is a collector's item yes. for anybody who's yeah. into Napa, Napa memorabilia, memorabilia and paraphernalia. Yeah. I would treasure – and it's beautiful. It's it's in great shape. And I think, you know, I think the listeners should know that Richard lost that election to 
Ron Young, who became a municipal court judge. But Richard came in second, and uh, another opening came up, and the governor at that time appointed Richard because oh. he, out of the five candidates or how many there were, he had sh- shown the best uh, other than the winner. Well, there it is. Um, if, if you listening would like to have this piece of Napa nostalgia, the Richard Bennett for Judge t-shirt, uh, be the first person to tweet we got to use Twitter. We're going to come up with another system one of these days, Lauren. But right now it's Twitter. Be the first one to tweet, uh, getting my hands on Judd's goodies, and uh, add the, the hashtag JNVS for Judd's Napa Valley Show, and at Judd's Hill. That way I, it will get to me immediately. And the first person, this is yours. I'll bring it back to the tasting room at Judd's Hill, and it'll, it'll be there for you to pick up. And remember, Thank you so much. Uh, yes. Remember, it was in a, he lost that election. That makes it all the more collectible. Yes, I, I think so, too. They're more valuable, I think. Yeah, we can maybe even track them down and have them sign it. Oh, I'm sure you'd do it. That would be fun. Well, let's talk about your law career. So you, you grow up here in Little Italy of Napa and so many great stories about that time. You know, we are starting to get short on time, so I want to hear more about you. But there, I found it very interesting, your chapter on the polio scare as well. You yes. get into that and how that affected life here in Napa and uh, people's reactions to that. Very interesting, a big part of our uh, history here. So you get through that, you're playing your accordion, and then somehow you decide the law is what you want to pursue. How did that happen? What inspired you to become a lawyer's study? Uh, a, a few things. I, my father uh, was really um, uh, an opinionated uh, black and white type of person who uh, didn't hold back his criticisms. And I always felt like I, I was never right about anything. So I kind of wanted to educate myself in the law so I would know my rights. Uh, that actually was in the back of my mind as a kid. Th- then Joe Peatman, a lawyer in, in town, yeah. uh, spoke at uh, the high school, and I was uh, just a student then, and uh, my mom knew Joe because she babysat for his children, and so I was really, uh, really wanted to see him speak, and I was very impressed, and he was so candid. He just, you know, he... He said, it's a prestigious job. It's a, a lucrative job. Uh, you know, he just said everything that uh, sounded great to me. So <laughs> okay. I, I had that in my mind, too. Okay. And when you when you got on that path, you found you had a certain aptitude? Of, I mean, the fact that you ended up as a Superior Court judge, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty amazing path. So you, you go to UC Berkeley. First off, that's yes. where you did your undergrad. Correct. Then off just across the bay to uh, Hastings college of law correct very prestigious correct boom you're a lawyer you get your degree you pass the bar i'm assuming you pass the bar at some point i'm not checking your credentials or anything but no i was fortunate enough to (laughs) pass it the first time okay that's great and do you immediately i mean i know you were very well known for working with uh, youth foster youth whatnot did you get into that immediately or where did you find yourself right off the bat out of law school right off the bat um i uh got a job as a deputy public defender in Stockton. There was no such uh, office in Napa. There was a district attorney's office, but no deputy public defender. Uh, Criminal defense was done by rotating it on the bar and just appointing lawyers. Some of them were very inexperienced in criminal law, but Mm. that's how it was done in Napa for a long time. Okay. So, uh, I, I went to Stockton because I was hired as a deputy public defender, 
and uh, those are jobs where you're in court a lot and you get lots of trial experience. So I spent about three years there hmm. and then came back to Napa to open up my practice. And as a defense attorney or, or no, excuse me, or a prosecutor? Or? No. No, neither. In, in just opened up my law uh, uh, willing to take civil and or criminal defense. I see. And I got on the panel right away so I would get criminal defendants. I did know both judges then, uh, Consgard and Blankenberg, mm-hmm. and they were kind to me. They would point me to mental illness hearings, criminal defense cases. They, they, they were not lucrative, but they paid the light bill and, <laughs> and as you built your practice. And what I found then, which is 1975, mm-hmm. if you were willing to do family law divorces, yeah. uh, you you would not go broke. Uh, I don't know why, but Napa had a, a, a very high uh, divorce population. Interesting. So I I started taking those and and also did the criminal defense, and then it grew from there. Uh, how did you find your way to working with youth? I would imagine in family law, you see how that affects absolutely yeah. children. Yes, uh, I would imagine quite negatively in many cases. And yes, did that steer you towards wanting to work with them and advocate for them? Yeah, I. I um, part of the appointed cases by the judges w- was to represent children in the uh, dependency area of court, which is uh, the child abuse and child neglect. So I would get appointed to represent the child and advocate for the the child. And uh, you obviously did a great job. Um, you've you've earned some accolades. Um, I'm going to look back here. 1994 Napa Attorney of the Year, 2000 Juvenile Judge of the Year, and then uh, Congressman Mike Thompson awarded you with the Angels in Adoption pin <laughs> and certificate, which sounds. It sounds very prestigious for outstanding advocacy of adoption and foster care. Can I just read the statement that sure. he made? Is that okay? This sure. won't embarrass you because I, I think this is great. This is from Congressman Thompson about you. Judge Raymond Guadani has been instrumental in enriching so many families in Napa County through his work on the bench approving adoptions. He is part of the families he brings together. And I, I love this part. Baking a cake for every adoption he finalizes. I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. Again, with Congressman Thompson. I still remember when my family was given a cake from Justice Guadani when my niece was adopted into our family. There is no one more deserving of the Angels in Adoption Award, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to present him with it. That's quite an honor. Yeah, I was pleased. So this is what you were known for when you were working on adoption cases. uh, Upon the finalizing of the adoption, you would... Bake a cake for the family. Yeah. It, it <laughs> I mean, w- how many judges do that? That's amazing. <laughs> well, we do it now, and uh, that tradition has continued. Is it really? Yeah. See, yeah. That shows you what I know, but I had never heard of this before. Yeah. Had, had people been doing that beforehand? That was your own little – Yeah, it was – what happened with me was it, it was very selfish, uh, to be honest with you, because in law, the hearings you hear as a judge are almost always sad or um, – acrimonious you know even in civil where they're fighting over money you know Mm -hmm. and suing on a contract and getting restraining orders or in criminal where you're charged with a crime so uh they're not fun so i wanted to make something fun and having done so much in family law Mm. where you are uh approving a family being 
apart. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to celebrate a family coming together. That's really sweet. And so we did that. And it, and it was important that you bake it yourself because they, they really want, they, they would ask that. And of course, I just did Betty Crocker. She was my. It doesn't matter though. I yeah. mean, you, you understood the importance of the personal touch. I'm sure people would have appreciated if you had bought a cake at a, at a bakery and brought it in. It would have been great. They would have thought, wow, I can't believe a judge brought us cake. But the fact that you bake it, no matter if it comes from a mix or from scratch, I mean, that just shows your personal involvement, your personal care, your personal appreciation of these people. That's touching. Yeah, and it was fun. The clerks would all help. Uh, they all loved it. We we, we <laughs> had a photo uh, a court photographer. It was just a de facto, and uh, she would put the pictures on a disc for them. And and also, um, we it evolved so that if there was already a sibling in the family, mm-hmm. uh, we would print out a beautiful, suitable for framing certificate <laughs> for the sister to promise to take care of her baby brother or oh. whatever. And it was, it, you know, so we had some, and we gave teddy bears out too. So oh my gosh. We started doing it. I can imagine. But, but I always, when I talk about that, I always like to emphasize that never came out of the court's budget ever. You know, that was uh, contributions uh, from the judges. Oh, very, very sweet. Very sweet. When you became a uh, superior court judge and you're, you're hearing, you know, trials and whatnot, did, did those involve family law as well? Or that was other types of uh, criminal cases? Yeah. Uh, it, it, as a superior court judge, you, you know, Napa is small. We only have six judges. Yeah. And so we have to cross train each other so that we're reasonably competent in all areas. Okay. So we would uh, rotate assignments. When you had family law, you would do family law trials. They're not jury trials, but mm-hmm. they're, tri- they're court okay, trials in front of the judge. If you were in the criminal division, you did a lot of juries or civil you know, a construction defect case, that can be in front of a jury. Right. I remember reading that you were involved in one of the big cases here in Napa, you know, one of our longest unsolved murder mysteries, the uh, the Fagiani Correct. murder. You yeah. know, for 30-something years, unknown what had happened. 37, yeah. 37 years, yeah. and then finally a suspect was found. It, you were the one that ended up sentencing him. I, I tried. It was my last murder trial that I presided over, wow. and uh, that was in 2011, and I retired at the end of 2012. I wanted that case because I was from Napa. Yeah. Uh, none of the other judges grew up here, and I, I, I wanted that even though I was doing, I think, a civil assignment at the time. Okay. And they were so kind to me, the judges, my colleagues. They let me have it and transferred me over and filled in with silver uh, just so I could do it. But, yeah, because my brother and I would peek in the window of Fajani's uh, because it had been closed for years. Oh, yeah. And it was like a museum. You know, the bar was still there. The stool of the uh, murderer was still moved out. It was the same because uh, at, at the time of the murder – only one stool was moved out. The rest of them were lined up because it was closing time. And she's the only one there. She's the only oh, one there. Wow. So she was cleaning up the bar, and then that happened. Oh. And so yeah, and and it uh, and they there was fabulous uh, Napa police work. They saved everything, things that they couldn't know about. Uh, coming into vogue uh, in terms of DNA. DNA was around in 74, but it wasn't, you didn't have profiling, you didn't have a system. It was worthless then, but they saved everything. That's what broke it open, right? So On a that cigarette made, butt or something? Correct. Yeah. Wow. So. I can't even imagine what that's like to, to pre- pre- preside over. 
something that um, not only well known but really that affected a community so yeah, it intensely. Really, you, you didn't see such a horrific murder uh, uh, as that one was in little old Napa. Yeah. It was still a sleepy little town. It had redevelopment going on, but it was still a little town. You've had some amazing experiences. Yeah. In the book, the title I'm going to mention again right now, here comes okay. the plug. <laughs> Great. The Adventures of the Squeezebox Kid, which is – here, hand that over. I want, to, I want to read the subtitle as well because that really sums it up. A Memoir of Growing Up in Napa in the 50s and Early 60s by our guest Ray Guadani. It's really a great read. And if you're in Napan, it's almost a must read. I think you, you really should take a look at this book, get a sense of what uh, – the community's history was uh, from the pr- perspective of somebody who grew up here and is still living here and has raised a family. And now the third generation of your family uh, is – or I guess not the third, third from you, but your parents were – when did your parents come to Napa? In 1942. 1942 right. from San, San Francisco. Francisco. Right. Were they from the old country or was it their parents? Their from, parents. Their parents yeah. are from a couple different parts of Italy. Yes, uh, yeah. in the – Piedmont area was my mom, and my dad was partly from Lucca and partly uh, from uh, somewhere <laughs> south south of Rome. And they came to San Francisco for what reasons? Jobs. Just some work. work. Yeah. Right. yeah, great. And here you are in Napa. Uh, I, I have so many notes here, and we're running short on time, unfortunately. You know, I wanted to ask you – and you can pick any of these, or if you have something you want to share from the book. I mean, you did some boxing. You uh, were a baseball player, and in your book, you talk about some of your spectacular victories and failures as an athlete, which are yeah. both humorous and tragic at the yeah. same time. Yeah. You talk about racial attitudes here in Napa back in the 50s and 60s, which um, you know, it's not always the easiest thing to acknowledge or talk about. And we can get into the whole mosaic down you know, in the hat building that depicts KKK. I'm not sure you really talk about that organization in the book, but you know there were certainly some attitudes that were um, different than many prevailing attitudes today. So, that, very interesting. You hit so many different facets of our of our history here. Is there anything you want to share in the couple minutes that we have left? Uh, I see some things are marked in the book, but I don't know if that's to to bring up or any any closing. Uh, I can't say arguments. Any closing? I'm trying. To, I'm trying. I'm <laughs> that's reaching good. for legal terms. That's pretty um, good. Any closing remarks? Well, first, I, before I forget, I wanted to uh, say hi to my grandchildren. Please. Uh, Joey, Bella, and Ellie, and also um, Florentina and Camila Ruby. There you go. Hi, girls and boy. And I love girls you. Girls and boy. <laughs> yeah. I also would like to say that I thought Lauren did a, a – Lauren right here in the yeah. studio was as good as any bailiff. Very clear, ah. projected well, uh, could have a career there if he wanted to become a deputy sheriff. Well, I've actually seen too many court TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's good rehearsal for you. Yeah. It is. It is. Well, then I guess uh, the only question left to ask isn't even a question at this point because yeah. you have actually brought it up in your book and confirmed it early in our conversation. So I'm not even going to ask you a question that I like to ask my guests um, because we already know this about you. So we're just going to get right to it. The question that is posed is, do you go nuts for donuts? Oh, God, yes. So you can see what I've got right here. Our little gift to you. You know me so well. Is uh, 
And you can pick any one of these. This is the pink box from the aforementioned Buttercream Bakery, uh, which you even have a nice photo of it in your book. Let's see if we've got about a minute or so here. What I'd like you to do is take one of these, choose one of these beautiful donuts. There you go. That's fresh this morning. Which one did he go? Oh, he's looking. He's going. Old there fashioned. it is. What? Old there yeah. it is, the maple yeah. old fat. That yeah. is far and away the favorite donut on Judd's Napa Valley show. It is? I rest my case. <laughs> uh, he does. I'd say well within the 90, 90th percentile. People go for that. So the Honorable Raymond Guadani presiding, would you please rule on this donut? Uh, do you want me to sample it? Yes, you may. Uh, I, Examine the evidence mm-hmm. and then make your ruling, please. Mm-hmm. The um, the motion is granted. Absolutely. I love it. I want to thank you very much for being the guest today. We could have you here for weeks on end and not run out of things to talk about. So maybe at some point we'll, we'll have you back and get to some of the things we, we didn't quite get to. But in the meantime, folks listening, do yourself a favor. Pick up The Adventures of the Squeezebox Kid. Have I mentioned it enough, uh, <laughs> the title? It was perfect. Thank okay. you. A, a memoir of growing up in Napa in the 50s and early 60s, available at Bookmine, Copperfields. We like to shop locally, but if you're only uh, on the internet, Amazon, of course, has it as well. Raymond Guadani, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Jed. Thank you, Lauren. This courtroom is now adjourned. This is Lauren Mull speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.